What is the role of the field of communication studies in society at large? How can our field be a positive force for social change? How can it contribute to greater social justice? About this and many other important topics is this conversation with Mari Castañeda of the University of Massachusetts at Amherst in this episode of El Café Latinx. What is the experience of being a Latinx or Latin American scholar in the field of communication and media studies? What are the main challenges and opportunities that come with our identities? These are the issues that we'll talk about in El Café Latinx, where some of the leading voices in the field will share their professional experiences. Hola, my name is Pablo Wojcikowski. I teach at Northwestern University, where I hold the Hamid bin Khalif Al-Thani Chair in Communication. Together with Mora Matassi, doctoral student at Northwestern and executive producer of this podcast, we invite you to discover the journeys of scholars who are at the cutting edge of creating knowledge about Latinx or Latin American communities across the Americas. These are our stories. Esas son nuestras historias. Estas son nuestras historias. Thanks everybody and welcome to this new episode of El Café Latinx. I'm thrilled to have with me today Mari Castañeda, who's Dean of the Commonwealth Honors College at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. She's also professor in the Department of Communication there. She started there in 2000 as assistant professor and her career has progressed uh, over the years. Uh, and now she's one uh, of the most powerful administrators on campus in addition to a leading uh, member of the communication studies department. Mari did uh, her bachelor's degree at UCLA uh, focusing on communication studies with an emphasis on Chicana, Chicano studies. And then her PhD at UCSD in uh, the Department of Communication uh, and uh, her advisor was none other than Dan Schiller, one of the leading figures in communication history in the 20th century. Um, Mari has been a very, very prolific author, has edited three books, the most recent one in 2018, Civic Engagement in Diverse Latinx Communities, Learning from Social Justice Partnerships in Action. She has published a large number of journal articles and book chapters and has been very, very active on issues of diversity, equity, inclusion, and access uh, in the university and in professional societies. So we are really thrilled to have her here with us today. Welcome to El Café Latinx, Mari. Gracias, Pablo. It's really wonderful to be here today. Thank you so much for accepting uh, our invitation. So. Mari, how did it all begin for you? You know, how was the start of the journey that led you to become a professor? Um, I, you know, that's a wonderful question. I think for me, I mean, was, first of all, I think the interest started first with, with being sort of fascinated by media um, and, and communication issues and partly has to do with two things. One of it was growing up and not really seeing us represented. So not seeing a lot of Latinas, Latinos, Mexicanos, or if we did, seeing it in much more negative light than oftentimes my own community was represented. My community had joy and uh, cultura and fiestas and, uh, and social justice movement efforts and all kinds of community engagement that 
just was not at all seen in the media public sphere. Um, and, um, and so that was one thing that I always was sort of concerned, or at least was always asked. My mom always says, siempre estabas preguntando, ¿por qué no estamos ahí? You know, always asking, what's going on there? Um, but the other thing that also was fascinating is that growing up in elementary school, my school went to TV tapings in Hollywood in Los Angeles. And so I grew up going to these TV tapings, watching as a live audience member, how television shows were constructed. And for me, it was an eye-opening experience as a 12-year-old to see that these things are not sort of in real in the way that they really were constructed. So even the audience member applause or laughter, if the actors did it right, but the audience did not laugh the right way, it was redone to capture the audience laughing in a way that communicated something different than was originally captured. And so seeing that for me um, made me fascinated first with wanting to understand more of how does communication sort of impact and, and not really articulating it in that same way as a 12 year old per se, or even later, but of course going to college as an undergraduate uh, and majoring in communication as a result of this interest and desire to understand more uh, and intersecting it with questions of, of access, of power, um, of political economy, of Latina, Latino and Latin American diasporic experiences, all of that sort of came together as a way of, um, for me trying to make sense of this experience that I was having both physically but also virtually and, and, and mediated you know through media um, and was very much also inspired by the, um, the various different both professors and graduate students actually graduate students played a very big role in my desire to continue and become a professor because I was seeing the work that they were producing I was seeing the kind of impact that they were making in the classroom uh, and I was very very inspired by one professor in particular his name was Jerry Brown uh, Jerry Jerry Power who was a professor at USC actually in the Annenberg School of Communication, uh, who, um, who taught a very powerful lecture as, uh, in the aftermath of the LA rebellion that happened in 1992. Um, and, um, and so rather than holding class as usual, uh, he said, we need to talk about the history of race relations in the US and the impact that political e economy has had in the ways in which why communities are ra uh, rising up and how the media is completely creating a very different story and narrative about what's going on. So for me, that was incredibly powerful and inspiring. Um, and I knew at that moment that yes, I wanted to continue with this with this investigation, uh, with examining these issues. Uh, I also was a, a um, luckily a Ford Mellon Fellow, and I got the opportunity to study at Cornell uh, for a, a, a summer, and that made a big difference as well. And and them. Um, really mentoring us and showing us that as students of color, as first generation students, uh, we could also make an impact and belong in the academy. Uh, but I also knew that for me, being part of the academic uh, landscape had to be meaningful in terms of if I'm here, it's got to be because we're doing something. Otherwise, then I've got to do something else. Like it's got to be about transformation. It's got to be about education as liberation uh, and using these spaces of both the classroom, you know, community partnerships, our research as efforts to do that. So for me, that also was very, in, in, I was very much inspired by both undergraduate and of course at UC San Diego, you know, studying with Dan Schiller, with Herb Schiller, I got to study with him uh, as well. Um, and then being so close to La Frontera, both growing up in Los Angeles and going constantly back and forth between Los Angeles 
Angeles and Mexicali uh, and seeing, of course, the, the sort of relationship uh, and then being there for graduate school and being um, being able to be part of community efforts. Um, the, for instance, there was one called the Taco Shop Poets and that uh, it was these, you know, um, poets from both Tijuana and, and uh, San Diego that were going to different taco shops and performing uh, and, and really reclaiming and taking over that space uh, because a lot of the uh, some of the other sort of cultural spaces were not always open uh, for some folks, especially, especially some of these Mexicano, Chicano uh, poets. And so the taco shops became, became a place of, of cultural production uh, and community engagement. And again, for me, um, being part of that and, and being seeing, seeing the sort of the power, that possibility for me inspired me of how can I do that in the academy? How can I do that of taking over those spaces, being part, claiming I am here and this is how I'm going to be doing it in my full self uh, in this space. Um, and for, and so that's how it's sort of began in many ways, you know, starting earlier on, but always overseeing the trajectory. And the other piece too that I think is important is that, you know, I am a first generation student. My parents, you know, didn't go to college. Uh, my mom finished sixth grade. My dad, you know, high school actually had two years of, of technical uh, training and he became a mechanic. Um, and so for them, uh, it was always, a, they always supported my educational efforts, but it was also a very scary thing at the same time, porque si te vas, vas a regresar, o que va a pasar contigo, or, you know, are you, are you also going to be so out there that que no vamos a poder hablar contigo, we won't be able to talk to you because we won't understand you, you know, you'll be speaking in a language that we don't understand. Um, and so being very rooted to comunidad and familia has also been, for me, a very central part of how I do the work that I do in the academy, uh, because it's it's about trying to disrupt and reframe and change uh, these spaces, you know, rather than simply conform myself to it is how can these spaces conform to the to the way not only have I am, but the communities and the people that I engage with and bring them along in these spaces as well. Um, and so that um, that also was very important for also think, taking that into account as I was becoming, uh, you know, a graduate student and ultimately a professor uh, is also being very clear of I, I do not want to let go of who I am and what I bring uh, to the conversation with always trying to speak truth to power in that space as well. And, and also being okay with, well, if the academy or the university says, you know what, sabes que, uh, maybe you can go somewhere else or something, but clearly that has not happened. You know, clearly they've been supportive and, and have said, yes, okay, what else can you, uh, what do you need? What, what can you do? Uh, and how can we help you uh, do that work? And that in that sense, I've been very, very, um, I'm just a full of gratitude of, of this place of the university that I'm at, the University of Massachusetts has been so supportive Supportive of that over the years, uh, because not always a lot of institutions are that open. Um, and, and so that's also made a big difference in my uh, ability to produce the work I do, but also in my uh, this sort of desire to continue being a faculty member, a professor, and, and taking on these kind of also administrative roles to help also making those changes and transformation. Of course, institutions move like molasses, as we know, so they uh, don't always move at the, at the rate that we want them to, but uh, I think at least being in those spaces, you know, creates a space of intervention that we can at least start picking away and, and changing that as well. All right, that's that's super. I have so many follow-up questions. I, I, I lay a few out there and then you pick and choose. Sure. Um, um, the first one is, if you could share with us a little bit, um, how was your experience as a student at UCSD at the pivotal time in the history of that department? That department 
has a very, very special place in the history of uh, communication and media studies in the US. You mentioned Herb Schiller in addition to Dan Schiller. So it was Herb Schiller's department in many ways. Um, he molded it um, uh, in, in, in very powerful ways. And, um, and sometimes that, that history seems to me has been a little bit forgotten by some. And so I wonder as a participant uh, in that space, if you could share with us how it was from a graduate student perspective to study in, in a place with so many intellectual giants, you know, in your, in your committee, in addition to Dan, you had Michael Schatzon, Ellen Seid, I mean, some of the true luminaries in, that, in our field coming from very different intellectual perspectives. So that's, that's one. Then you, you have had your entire academic career as, as a professor at UMass Amherst, which is on the East Coast, also an institution with a very strong social, public university with a very strong social justice component in history. And that communication department, you know, you know always had a very important uh, role in the field. You know, Vernon Crown and Barnett Pierce, you know, they were you know, entire theorists that were, you know, developed there. So, um, I, I, I'm curious uh, to hear about your experience arriving as a newly minted PhD as an assistant professor and how was with the department at that time, in the, in the basically two decades ago, and as you have moved uh, up the ranks and developed your career and become a very successful academic, how you've seen the university change and, and what's the experience of an administrator? Many of us who don't who are not in administration uh, sometimes have a little bit of a mystified view of what it is to be uh, you know, making the decisions in academia. Now you, you, you get to make them and see, see the process from the inside. So if you could share a little bit uh, what you've learned about leadership. So, so basically, so, you know, three phases, your experiences of uh, the Department of Communication at UCSD as a graduate student, your experience as, as, you, as your career unfolded at UMass and, you know, Again, a very storied department, a very important one in, in the US communications studies field. And what's like to be a department chair now a dean? Oh, those are great questions. I mean, I think, I mean, first of all, just yeah, starting with UCSD, I mean, it was a very um a very wonderful, supportive, and very powerful department, but also in an institution that included also other colleagues uh, and, and really great scholars like Rosara Sanchez, George Lipsitz as well, uh, who also happened to be ultimately in my committee as well. And so it, it provided a very in, um, sort of powerful intellectual home, but people that were also committed uh, to thinking about social justice issues. So that it wasn't simply about doing research for research sake, but then ultimately, which I really learned from, from Herb Schiller in particular is like, now what? What do we do? What kind, what kind of impact do we make? What kind of intervention do we, do we make? Um, and it wasn't just about the intervention happening at policy level or government, but really sort of speaking that truth to power to then sort of lay bare what's taking place and what's happening. And then ultimately, Really hope you know hoping or, or participating in these conversations that might be able to make those kind of uh, changes as well and so being there uh, particularly the, I was there in the early 90s through you know um, to like about mid to late 90s when I went off to um, to my career here at UMass um, is that it, it one of the things that was really important is that they um, they they supported the the fact that also the thing that's important to know is that I had a child when I was in grad school so I had a son at the end of my second year of grad school um, and oftentimes in those kind of in that moment in that period of time I think that now there's much more graduate students having children but at the time that it was not uh, a very popular thing to do and not necessarily very common um, and for me the fact that the faculty um, and especially 
especially my committee, were incredibly supportive and really felt like this is not, this is actually an asset and this is wonderful and this is not something that should be slowing you down uh, because you have a lot to contribute to the conversations that were taking place. Uh, and the thing that I absolutely appreciated was the inclusion in projects, the inclusion in, of wanting to understand more where I was coming from and what I was sort of grappling with. Um, and also the fact that there was um, a real effort of acknowledging graduate students as these peers, intellectual peers that were coming to their own. And so that lack of, of hierarchy is not just, um, I mean, again, very important for the way in which we think about the academy oftentimes has these sort of categories of people um, that then, you know, uh, you are not treated always in the in respectful uh, and really in good ways that, that make you feel like you belong. Uh, and in fact, that was not the case there that made a difference for, you know, understanding that there was a place for me here uh, and that my views and my work um, was valuable and worthwhile. Um, and that also um, there was a, a willingness to also push back. I mean, I got pushed back a lot from my, my committee and advisors like uh, like Dan and so forth in very productive, excellent ways. So it's also say, say what you mean, but don't say it mean, you know, kind of like ethos of like, I'm, I'm going to be straight up with you about, you know, this thinking through or this analysis and so forth um, that I felt like uh, actually pushed me in good ways uh, that was important, but also um, saw my potential and, and really you know, felt that I could really make a contribution in the field uh, at the same time that I was you know, also a mom and I was also going to Los Angeles very frequently to see my mom and my siblings since I'm the oldest of five. Uh, and the first one that really was then now leaving off for college. Uh, and at the time my mom was also a single mom. So all of that, you know, there's a lot of, I think a lot of students of color and particularly first gen students of color that are grappling with these issues and to be in a department um, that is supportive of, of of the realities that you're living in your positionality, but also value the intellectual work that you bring to the table and your engagement and patience with it too. Because, um, you know, oftentimes students come out really fast and and I, it, I and for me, it took time. It took time because I was also 22 years old. I was very young, you know, started grad school right after undergrad. Uh, so I went straight through. Uh, and so in that sense, there was also a lot of patience <laughs> with my um, slow sort of working through material understanding, but that patience uh, really paid off and really made a big difference. And I think part of it has to do with also, uh, you know, there's a rootedness of, of care and love that I think also makes a big difference that again, we don't talk a lot about in the academy, but it makes a big difference, you know, and, uh, and really transforms uh, relationships between graduate students and faculty, but also your relationship with the academy itself. Um, and so that it doesn't, it's not seen as a place that I mean, it's still, it, there's a lot of institutional violence that gets committed and it does, doesn't mean that I did, never experienced these sort of challenges in that way, but also, um, you know, how do I learn from the way that people have ma managed that um, and, and superseded that. So also being involved, very involved with uh, the National Association for Chicano and Chicano Studies from the beginning as an undergraduate also transformed me and made a big difference in my sort of experience in graduate school uh, because I was going to the conferences and connecting with other scholars. And so then in terms of moving to um, officially to the you know University of Massachusetts uh, Amherst and becoming a faculty member in that department I really did see our communication department as a 
parallel or sister uh, partner department to the one at UC San Diego. I mean, they were really very connected because of also the orientation towards critical cultural studies and political economy, and also a big emphasis in, in, in sort of a global diasporic context that made a big difference for the way in which I saw my work, but also the department itself saw itself here at UMass. You know, Jolly just retired and he's been an incredible mentor and incredible uh, colleague in the department as well, in addition to all the other uh, you know, faculty um, colleagues that I have in the department. And it was always a department that was oriented towards uh, social justice, community action, community-based research, community engagement, uh, but from a critical lens as well. Uh, and so the fact that the work that I wanted to produce was supported, was encouraged, uh, was also not just supported, like go for it and do it, but also like be part of this grant. Let's let's try to find out, you know, what kind of monies can help you do this kind of work. That also makes a big difference. So it's no longer just, you know, um, you know, discursive, but really in action and materially as well. And so through the years, um, that department um, has been wonderful for the kind of work that I that I've been able to do, and also supportive of the fact that I have multiple linkages. So I'm not just in communication, but I'm also very rooted uh, in Latinx studies and Latino studies, Chicano studies, and that that is also important to bring to bear in the research and in the ways that I teach my classes. And the fact that it also, um, it's a department just like UCSD that doesn't narrowly define communication and doesn't narrowly define media studies makes a big difference because it allows for more multidisciplinary approaches, which is communication in many ways. Uh, we're borrowing from all over the place, uh, but really sort of recognize that at the same time, understanding that communication is its own field in its own right and is making contributions, but also understanding that those, you know, we're not, we're not creating the walls, but, you know, fluid, you know, bridges across different, um, you know, fields and so forth. And then now moving um, as an administrator, I mean, having been chair before and then now in, as a dean, um, the thing that's interesting is that, it, you know, a lot of times in these kind of sort of movements, you don't always think, okay, this is how I'm going to plan it out. You know, I'm going to do this and then this and this and that. For me, it was more about, yes, I want to become a tenured faculty member and, and do my research. And, and yes, ultimately would like to get promoted to full professor as well, continue with my research, but the administrative track was not necessarily something that I was sort of plotting or thinking through as something that I wanted to sort of achieve or work towards. However, um, one of the things that has happened over the years is that other colleagues, particularly, you know, specifically at UMass, but in other institutions, have said, um, as a result of me writing tenure and promotion letters and supporting other people and mentoring a lot of faculty that are coming through. So it's really about like reaching out that arm and pulling people along with you as well. And not just saying like, I'm over here and see you all later, but you know, bringing folks with you tambien and, and apoyando, you know, all those younger scholars that are coming through. You know, folks have said, you know, Mari, I know you don't really always wanna do this, but we need you so much in these spaces. Like it's so, it would be so great to have someone like you in these sort of conversations conversations at the table, making a difference in an administrative level. Um, and for me, that really does speak to something because I have seen that it does make a difference being at the table. It does make a difference being in that room, you know, when we're having conversations about faculty, students, uh, and staff, and how we create, uh, you know, um, you know, cultures of inclusion and cultures of care, you know, in these institutions, and not always the people that are there are always talking about it in those ways. Um, and so how do we sort of bring that um, that research orientation to bear that criticality in these spaces too. And I have also been inspired by, again, um, many both media studies like Sarah Benet Weiser, who's been, you know, a wonderful colleague and mentor over the years who was, you know, directing um, 
at Annenberg. And then also now Hector Maya is there as well. Uh, and, you know, various different colleagues, both in communication, but also in Latino studies, you know, over the years of like, you know, Francis Aparicio, who, you know, uh, you know, was at Northwestern, uh, or still is, but more, I think, retired mode, right? Um, but, uh, but seeing those, those scholars, colleagues, friends, you know, do that work too, bring that research to bear in an administrative context, and take on those administrative roles, and make that kind of institution change for me has been very inspiring too and I feel like that then uh, are there are great models to be able to sort of think about you know how can I bring that also in the work that I'm doing in these spaces um, and so for me that Chandra Mohanty has also been in someone that I've you know so she talks a lot about the being a sister administrator uh, and that's and then that's the, the challenge that I've given myself is how do I do that how can I be that sister administrator that activist, scholar, administrator, it's a challenge. Like, it definitely, I'm not going to say that it's, that it's easy, but I think that, that for me, it's still front and center in the way that I approach uh, the work that I do uh, and have been inspired again by a lot of these folks that sort of build the foundation that now we're building, that we're standing on, uh, but also being inspired by other colleagues who really have said, it, it, you know, it's important for us to be in these spaces as well. Um, and then in some ways you become a model then other people see you and they're like, oh, maybe I can do that too, because there is a sort of like, as a faculty member, oh, I never want to be chair. I never want to be a dean. I never want to go down that road because it sounds like, yeah, I just, you know, it just sounds too much. But I think that there's ways of being able to do it um, with a full heart um, and with really caring about, you know, again, the people that you're working with. And for me, that's been the way that I've approached it is really saying, I care about not just the institution, but the people that make up this institution, because ultimately that is what makes our university and are the folks that are here with us, you know, the faculty, the staff, the students, there's no university without us there. And so how do we create then a space uh, of inclusion and a space of, um, of engagement? for folks um, that oftentimes like, you know, sometimes I feel like staff members oftentimes are not, are not really regarded always in the, in the high level that they should. And they're the ones that I feel are the pillars, you know, of our universities. Uh, so how do we acknowledge that and make sure that their voices are, are also part of the ways in which we think about the future of colleges or departments or universities uh, and take them into account, you know, as well. Excellent. Um, so, so, Following up on that, um, you know, you mentioned Hector, Hanjara um, Valdivia also has had important leadership positions. I mean, so by, by now there are, including yourself, you know, a, a number of prominent Latina, Latino, Latinx scholars in communication and media studies. And there is also, you know, basically one in five people in the US are uh, Latino, Latina, Latinx, yet, the, the, it's not that one every five people in communication studies as a field or, or in leadership positions are, right? So from your vantage point as, as a dean and as somebody who in department chair, etc., what could be done to increase representation? Um, because it's really very small if you think about it it's in terms of communication studies, right? it varies by field, but in terms of communication studies, it's fairly small. Um, what could be done to sort of fast track a little bit more representation and inclusion. You know, that's, I think that one of the challenges that I see is that um, oftentimes it really begins at the undergraduate level. You know, if we're talking about um, really sort of building um, a really strong pipeline of scholars coming through, it really begins at the undergraduate level of making sure that students, particularly Latinx students feel that 
the, the sort of um, conversations that are happening in the classroom, the kind of topics that we're examining, the courses that we're offering are speaking to their experience too. And so much of the university, I think, and even within communication, it's still, it's still not engaging with issues of race still and, and critically like and, and, and also sort of adopting an anti-racist approach you know so thinking about it so like racial justice you know isn't necessarily the the root of a lot of communication programs per se uh, or or really or even the kind of like courses that are offered and I think that that also makes a big difference because a lot of students then oftentimes feel racialized in the classroom and feel dismissed and not necessarily included in the same way partly because uh, sometimes the faculty themselves haven't also dealt with their own, especially if they are coming from, uh, you know, they identify as white or identify as, you know, um, you know, upper middle class or whatever, you know, sometimes are not enough self-reflective of how am I not, um, you know, sort of creating a context where these students can also feel part of the conversation, part of the course. Um, and so a lot of students that I've talked to have said, you know what, I think I could just handle the undergrad and then I'm out, you know, because I'm not sure if I can continue in this path with then the graduate school experience that, again, may make me feel uh, like um, like I don't belong or that I don't have anything to contribute. Um, and I definitely had a very positive experience in graduate school uh, and also as an undergraduate, but part of it is because I was also rooting it in Chicano Latino studies. So communication itself as a department didn't necessarily have Latino Chicano studies uh, classes at all. In fact, none of them ever dealt with those issues. All of them were in fact in the department of Chicano Chicano studies. Um, and so for me, that became the anchoring point of sort of bringing to bear within communication, but also that's where I found my ability to sort of push through and sort of imagine myself in this space. But the department itself was not, you know, engaging with those issues necessarily, uh, or even questions of, of race or racism um, within not just the field, but how it's sort of being characterized, except a couple of classes, but but not many. Um, and so I feel like that's sometimes when students are in places that don't have that sort of other anchoring point, it does become much harder to feel inspired uh, that you could see yourself as being able to do that. In many ways, a lot of the work that, that I've done, especially the work that I've done collaboratively with, especially with uh, um, Sonia and, and Claudia in terms of the piece that I did with them, um, is, is also rooted with wanting to provide something for our students, for our students being able to utilize a framework that they can use and sort of making sense of their realities, but also being able to um, imagine themselves as researchers and being able to then engage with the framework that then they could use to make sense of something that they're looking at theoretically and empirically and, and making sense of it. Um, and so that's also been very much inspired by also trying to say, how can we, how can we show our students that they can do this? What are the toolkits that we can provide and the frameworks that they can utilize uh, so they can see themselves in it as well. So they can see themselves as, as being able to contribute. And, um, and so I, th I think that that also has, has made a difference, but we, we haven't done enough as, a, as, you know, as higher education. And the reality is that Latinos are gonna take up, I mean, are really gonna be a big part of higher education in the next like literally 10, 15, 20 years. Of course, the pandemic is, is sort of challenging that a little bit, but the reality that that's still gonna be the long-term um, sort of perspective and, and reality. Um, so how are we creating a space that includes 
Latinx students, students of color, first gen students, you know, LGBTQ students, like all the students that oftentimes historically are underrepresented in these spaces um, and really challenging ourselves to create um, that space to do that and challenging our faculty because that's still oftentimes the place where students feel um, not welcomed is in the classroom. Uh, and so the classroom really has to be the place where we have to sort of uh, challenge ourselves um, so that students can see themselves as potentially as being able to to go on into the PhD, you know, or the master's and then PhD and see themselves as, as professors. But I think part of it is also that students, you know, for, again, a lot of my community-based research work um, and community service learning also is about um, demonstrating to students that the work doesn't have to be something that just exists in the ivory tower and stays in a book in a shelf somewhere in the library and that it has no life or outside of the academy itself. For me, it's like, I want to demonstrate to them that there is like work that's taking place that in fact is creating new knowledge by being in community. Like that's the way that we're able to sort of do that. And so when students see that, they're like, they're, they recognize that research doesn't become just something out, you know, just living in a library, but that becomes a living, breathing thing that can transform themselves, but also the communities that they're that they're a part of or want to be a part of, and that it can make really important critical uh, interventions um, in in ways that um, at least that's how I saw it, and that's why it inspired me. And so that's what I want to try to do with my students as well. All right. So so then to sort of wrap things up and building up on that, if, if you had magical powers that could be granted one wish about how you'd like the field of communication and media studies to change, what would you wish for? I, I kind of already touched that a little bit in some ways, but it, it because it has to do with, I would wish for the field uh, to be rooted in, so, in, in racial justice, like not just social, but like, like racial justice, social justice, and not afraid to have conversations about race and how we can be anti-racist, intersectional and globally linked in our research and teaching. Like that would be my desire is that if we could, if I had um, the power to be able to say, that's gonna be the route in which we sort of begin the work that we do, um, that would be pretty radical, you know, as well. Um, and that would, you know, and that would be, you know, we'd raise all kinds of questions and all kinds of things that we'd have to think about, not just in the US, but but really in the academy beyond the US and, and globally as well. Uh, because these issues are not just living here. I mean, talking to my friends that live in Colombia and Ecuador and, and España también and Mexico, like colleagues that are in the academy are also grappling with these issues, but also finding it challenging because not everyone is willing to have those uh, also hard conversations, but also historical and present conversations too about social and racial justice and how do we sort of begin from there as opposed to making it an add-on or making it something that comes later on, but in fact is the thing that we begin from um, from the beginning. Uh, I think for me would be uh, the wish that I, that I would have because then it would cause us to really think reflectively about how, how are we not, how do we challenge and not reproduce systems of power and oppression uh, in the research that we do in the classes that we teach and the work that we produce? Because I think we're in many cases still reproducing that. And I think that that ultimately is the thing that I, that I did learn both as an undergraduate and graduate student is, you know, how do we not reproduce harm and how do we, you know, be part of 
not being those of uh, those systems of oppression that get reproduced over and over again how do we disrupt that and i feel like that would be one of the ways to do that and i would love to because if you go to some of the conferences and you start raising those questions uh people shut you down <laughs> you know they, they don't always want to engage um and so you know i find myself more interested in more that sort of international communication media studies conferences that take a more critical approach you know as well as a result all right thank you so much mary for, for sharing your ideas and your wisdom with us. Uh, this has been a great conversation. Thank you to all our uh, listeners for staying with us through the end of this episode of El Café Latinx. And I uh, hope you'll join us for the next one. Thank you again, Mary. Uh, this has been truly terrific. Gracias, Pablo. I really appreciate the invitation. Y me dio un placer estar hablando contigo hoy también. Thank you. El Café Latinx is a production of the Center for Latinx Digital Media in the Department of Communication Studies at Northwestern University. I am Pablo Wojcicki, your host, and I'm joined by executive producer Mona Matassi.